Honest, open, and vulnerable may contain adult language and material that is not suitable for listeners under 18. This is a stream of consciousness podcast that delves into an eclectic mix of topics. Audience discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 160 of Honest, Open, and Vulnerable. I'm Matthew. And I'm Scarlett. And I'm Ryan. Uh, We definitely uh, encourage uh, audience participation and feedback. Um, Easy way to do that is post a comment on our website, hovpodcast.net. You can also like me uh, or find me on Instagram (laughs) at Colonel underscore Tux. That's K-E-R-N-E-L underscore T-U-X. And you can find us on Instagram at HOV Podcast. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at the Fuchsia Lady. That's T H E F U C H I A Lady. Um, and also, you can find my blog at inscarletstorm.wordpress.com. Although I'm not posting a whole lot there now, but you can read all my other stuff. And you can also feel free to send us an email, hobpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me and like me on Instagram at Matthew Scribbles. And we are coming to you from Regeneration Studio once again. Sorry, I got that, that out of order. Sorry. <laughs> I just. No one would that. have ever known. <laughs> <laughs> we handled that like professionals. Well, you know, I kind of screwed that. Sorry. <laughs> You know, it happens. <laughs> so, so yeah. After after that uh, rick, <laughs> rickety segue there, um, we do like to start every uh, episode with our uh, moments of squee. Uh, what do you have, uh, Scarlett? Um, I have i i I've been struggling with some things mentally and physically. So I went to the doctor just for um, basically a checkup because of the oxygen and everything. And uh, I always kind of feel like I'm rushed. And I don't think that she always listens to me. I had a list of things. I went in there. She was a little late because she was running behind. She always is. And uh, but she hit all of my points and addressed all of my concerns and got everything I needed done. And I did not feel rushed, and I felt like she really listened to me. And I think that's my moment of squee. Probably saved her as my doctor because Ryan will tell you I was ready to start looking elsewhere, um, but I didn't. I don't. I don't feel like that. I have to do that now. That's my moment of squee. Great. What about you, Matthew? So there's a couple of things going on right now. Uh, one of them. Uh, we're still working out the finer details on, but things are trending in the direction that coming this fall uh, for the upcoming hockey season, uh, I will be assuming uh, duties that Ryan is very familiar with for our own podcast. I will be taking on the production and hosting for Burgundy Radio, which is the website uh, uh, Burgundy Reviews uh uh, in-house podcast. So, uh, well, 
save save the applause. I have save it until I make sure I don't break it first. Okay, so, fair enough. I got to make sure this verbal fly. Before I couldn't help it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're we're doing some. Um, we're we're trying to make some new plans for Burgundy Review coming up here in the fall, and the opportunity came about where I would get a chance to assume the duties of host and do the production for the podcast. And since I have experienced somewhat with uh, podcasting in this medium, maybe approaching it from a different chair might be a nice challenge. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. I'm cautiously optimistic. I, like I said, I don't want to break it before, uh, you know, I, things get completely uh, out of hand, I guess. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm a little nervous at this point, but I think that's just nerves of trying to do something new because that's a brand new thing for me. I have, I have, I have no problem being in front of a camera. I have no problem, you know, uh, sharing my thoughts, my words, whatever you call it, but going into it from a technical standpoint and doing more of a production side of things, that's going to be a little bit of a different uh, a different spin on things. Since uh, I haven't done anything production-wise since the uh, the days of yore when I would produce videos for the Stonecutters once upon yeah. many years ago. So it'll be kind of like learning how to ride a bicycle that is a uh, a whole like tri like a, a penny farthing instead of riding like a a BMX bike. And if you know what a penny farthing is, hbpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sending an email right now. <laughs> no, my, and uh, my uh, moment of squee actually has to deal, deal with work. Um, I, right, right now I'm, I'm, work, I'm doing uh, software QA um, or, or uh, cli client, well, I'll I'll use I'll use uh, I'll sub sub substitute with uh, um, it's not company X, definitely not. <laughs> um, it it uh, it it well, let's let's just say the uh, the name of the company is Bobby Mar uh, Mar Marla Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh the one one of the uh or there there's like uh four four people that uh the company i actually that actually writes my paycheck um we we uh collaborate with at uh bobby marla smith um and one one of them um I, i've been working really because right I, i've been moving into uh like aut automation as far as like writing automated scripts to uh test uh functions in sap which sap is essentially like this gar gargantuan uh, dat database with all of these like bu business functions and relationships built in, and and I've I've been wor working with uh, the uh, woman. Let's call her D, and um, the. 
it it was it was a little little uh, difficult for the first uh, couple couple weeks because um, her the the way her voice voice sounds is a spitting image of the Hispanic woman on Family Guy. It so it it I, the I had. Uh, yes. <laughs> I need more Windex. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I mean, she, she. I mean, she has better grammar than than that than that character. <laughs> but uh, just, I had to for uh, for the first couple couple weeks uh, dur- during our morning stand stand ups, I had to put my you know uh, make make sure that I was I, I was on mute just because I I I couldn't not chuckle <laughs> but i it, but it is uh but in anyway um in since since then i mean she's she's been in in the as i said S, sap is our gar, is our gargantuan beast and you you could stu- i mean you you could study as you could study it for like four or five years and just and probably like barely scratch the surface and it and she she's been incre- incredibly <clears throat> she's been incredibly help helpful in kind of um fill, filling in my my pockets of ignorance and 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 has been very very um let's uh it's uh, word words are escaping me right now, but um, she she's it's been very it's been great work working with her and the and the other uh, pe- people at uh, Bobby Mar- Marla uh, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and then and then you know my um, I have the, the my team team members and team team leads. You know we're you know we all, we all have like great relationships and i've i've been i've been very uh vo- vocal about uh not wanting to stay in qa and wanting to move into software en- engineering e- even though like i i just started there at like the end of january and so i i, I said uh, you know every time i brought it up it's like yeah i know i'm early i you know i still you know i still have a lot to learn in this job and i know that you know learn there are things i could, uh learn in this job they'll make me a even better developer but this is the direction i'm going and you know they they've all at at this at this point they've they they've all been very you know it's like yeah okay you know one uh one we'll you know set set up like uh, a learn a learning path and you know we'll keep keep an ear ear to the ear to the ground here's some things to kind of kind of think think about and you know every, everyone set set up uh set up a reminder it's like okay after you know we'll all, all agree that you know at this at this at this stage you would have been on, on the job long, long enough and we can you know we'll make make sure we re- revisit revisit the topic and um like two or three week weeks ago um one of the people on my team was moved to a devops position which that's that's um 
Um, that's essentially like taking the work that developers have done and and actually like imp, you know imp, implemented it. Um, so it, it's kind of it it's a mix of like developer and operations. So you know another techie buzzword, but I mean they're they're very they've been very uh, active in. Um, enabling people that that want to progress in their careers which which is very which is you know very com comforting that you know that i work on a team that does that so um but uh after after that that huge <laughs> that huge um it is on this episode is matthew's turn to speak so it's I don't remember the last time that, that I had my chance here, but we also haven't recorded in a while, so it probably feels a lot longer than it otherwise would have been on a normal schedule, whatever a normal schedule for us means. So one of the things that I wanted to share about, share about today, and I discussed this before we uh, went into recording today, was... Uh, my second topic, uh, which could have easily fit in the confines of a moment of squeeze, but I think it kind of needs a little bit more. And I think the reason for that for me is because this is something that uh, was more of an influence on me in my, in my formative years. And as an adult, I think I have a little bit more of an appreciation for it. So I'll set the stage like this. Uh, we all have something in our childhood that we uh, that shapes us in a certain way, whether good, bad, or otherwise. Whether it's an, a moment in time or somebody that we spent uh, a lot of, since it's relevant, a lot of summer days with, or so, something else that we that was a piece of our childhood. It could be a favorite toy. It could be a favorite uh, uh, food that you eat or something that just carries a lot of significance for you and growing up and I've made mentions of this on previous episodes that I'm I became a big uh, fan of what is now known as retro gaming and retro consoles I was fascinated with arcade growing up as a kid uh, for those who are familiar with the, uh, the restaurant Casa Bonita you've probably seen an episode of South Park that celebrates that for those that aren't native to the city of Denver and grew up with the mythical restaurant as we did. So for arcades, that was kind of my thing. And growing up, I didn't, uh, you know, video games were, they were, they were huge. Of course, they're huge now, but back then it was almost the, uh, Literally huge. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were. If you've ever seen a video game cabinet, you see that when you're five, six years old, you, you're you struggling to not just move the joystick or touch the buttons. You can barely kind of see over the edge of the, uh, the cabinet itself. So my console of choice growing up, uh, and there weren't very many of them, not like uh, there have been over the years, but... For me, it was the or the Atari 2600, and I never 
had the original one that came out in the 70s that was just a little bit before my time. But the uh, re the refreshed model that came out in the mid-80s, that was the one that I cut my teeth on. And I amassed a modest-sized library of games. I probably had maybe 20-some-odd games. Enough to keep you, you know, entertained, enough for a little bit of a variety. So I played that in the shadow of my classmates who were able to, uh, they, they, they were either, you know, Sega was their brand or Nintendo was their brand. I clung to the Atari brand with white knuckles as I grew up. And I always felt very fondly of the Atari brand, even when it was clear that they were just going to be part of the pages of video game history. So I come to find out here over the last couple of years that there was a crowdfunded effort to relaunch the Atari console. And it went through. I didn't contribute because I missed the deadline. Otherwise, I would have been like, heck yeah, I'll take some of my money. I'll, I'll, I'll see where this leads. Knowing full well that some crowdsourced uh, projects either don't meet their goal or it turns out to be very disappointing. But they made their goal and the, the console went into production. And I was very fascinated with the things they really wanted to do with this system. They wanted to make it a, a, a streaming platform service where you wouldn't necessarily buy any physical media. You would just download uh, the games from an eShop and you would be able to play them over the internet that way. But they also wanted to make it a, a cross-functional console where it could serve in a pinch as a PC for computing needs, not necessarily heavy-duty computer computer needs, but your casual uh, internet uh, browser or writing up uh, documents, spreadsheets, things along those lines. That was my understanding of it, at least. So I thought, wow, this is really neat. But the fact that they uh, haven't released it commercially, I was like, I still don't know about this. As much as I would really love to entertain the inner child in myself, I was a bit of a skeptic for it until about three weeks ago. And then that's when I learned that there was going to be an effort to release this new console uh, commercially. So it has now crossed that that threshold from being just this uh, pie-in-the-sky, nice little ethereal project that its backers were able to get their hands on. Now it's something that's being hit for the mass market. And I thought, okay. Now this kind of changes the landscape a little bit. So on June 15th, which was only a couple of days ago, as of the recording of this podcast, the Atari VCS went on sale and it went on sale locally here at my favorite computer store in the city, which gave me a, the perfect excuse <laughs> to go running out to the store and buying. <laughs> Except for the fact they sold out on the very first day. So that was a little bit of a problem, but the point remains it's available now. 
so the, the the kid in me is very excited at this to to get his hands on this brand new console. And not to sound too uh, like I'm wanting, for example, because I'm a, I'm a few generations behind currently in in the gaming sphere. The last console that I purchased, I think, was was the the original Wii. So I'm, I'm about a decade behind, give or take ish. So now I'm looking at this brand new console that just got released here for the modern era that that has a main claim to fame of boasting downloading games that came out before I was even born or when I was, you know, just uh, like knee high to a sofa. But another one of the selling points is there's also download, you can download games that are refreshed for the 21st century. So you could play the original Asteroid if you really wanted to, or you could get the 21st century version of that same game and have it be all dressed up and uh, ready to go for uh, a new challenge, I guess. Not quite Asteroids Deluxe, <laughs> but just something <laughs> new. So there's that kid in me that wants to dive into that pool, that swimming pool of all the classic games that I grew up with as a kid. And then there's the adult in me that is ready to see, okay, these are the games of my youth, but as an adult, what what what's new now? What do you have for me that's new that I can explore? That way, the the kid in me and the adult in me can high five each other as they're exploring this new landscape that was so familiar growing up in grade school and my formative years. But as an adult, I can say, this is what it means to be a kid again. where you remember staying up late, feeling the ache in your hand with the controller resting on it, and then you had the little joystick as you're trying to maneuver your way through whatever game <laughs> you were playing. For me, it was probably either uh, Miss Pac-Man or Pole Position, one of those classic games, uh, and see what it's like now. Does the memory of nostalgia match up to what is here now? You can't put a price on childhood. Let's be clear. However, you can put a sticker price on it at three ninety nine ninety nine, which the kid in me is like, cool, you have a job, you have money, go buy that. <laughs> and the adult in me is like, not so fast. Uh, <laughs> we got rent. <laughs> Uh, we have a house now, and uh, I have, you know, other things, adult things, like, you know, uh, maybe I want to get a new pair of eyeglasses at some point here, which could probably, that money could be spent, you know, being able to, you know, see things other than a video game console. <laughs> Drive a car, maybe. <laughs> Do my job. The job that pays for those things. <laughs> yeah. But I was really excited to see that it, it made that next step to where 
it's not just this pie in the sky project where you plunk down your money and you get something far inferior than what the expectation was. The fact that it's commercial now gives it a little bit of a little bit of a you know credibility in my in my field. So I'm not going to rush out tonight to go get it. I can't. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say I couldn't after this after we wrap up because I probably have at least an hour or so before the store closes. I could go get it. <laughs> I'm not going to. But I will revisit this conversation because I will make it a point to eventually get this console and review this console because I want the adult in me to be as happy as the kid in me was playing these games. Hey, Atari, review unit. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get some free, you you know, you'll get a free video, (laughs) you know. So that's that's my uh, my other kind of moment of squeeze that I just kind of wanted to extrapolate on a little bit more. So the our local arcade closed down. Granted, there's other local arcades here around the city. I just haven't been to them yet. My favorite one, Hyperspace, mm-hmm. closed down from the pandemic, and that place held a lot of memories for that kid in me, but also for the adult in me. I spent a lot of a lot of nights there. Both of you, Ryan, mm-hmm. Ryan and Charlotte, went with me to mm-hmm. this place, and you enjoyed going there. So now mm-hmm. I kind of feel like with the purchase of this nice little device, I can bring a little piece of that back home. And for someone that tends to look through life with a bit of a historical lens, that, that kind of feeds into that a little bit. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to spending the $400 on it. <laughs> but if it hits the mark, I tell you, if it hits the mark, it'll be worth every last penny. That's a lot of quarters. It's a lot of quarters. <laughs> but the snack bar will be conveniently located in my kitchen. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, the Atari is definitely one of the more storied um, gaming. Con- I mean, I, I, I'm pretty pretty sure it was like it was the the first the I I'm not like too read up on like which came first, Atari or N- Nintendo. I'm pretty sure Atari Atari did. But I remember mm-hmm. watching a. Uh, a do- a documentary um, about it. W- it involved a uh, a, a, gar- a garbage uh, in, in uh, New New Mexico that um, had like tons and tons of like these old these old Atar- Atari games, and they and they and all mm-hmm. the people in inter- interviewed uh, men- mentioned that. Um, abort of the uh abort abortion called the you know that et game that that uh re- the <laughs> that uh it 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 well i mean by my choice choice of words it wasn't very helpful to um atari Atar- uh atari's re- revenue <laughs> in full disclosure i did get that copy of et for christmas one year I played the hell out of it, 
and I didn't care. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the game. Yes, it has gotten a ridiculously appropriate amount of heat for um, for it, for sure. It's not a good game, but there's no accounting for taste. I, I, I will fully be on record saying that. I enjoyed it, but it was a terrible game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my my fir- my first uh, exposure to game gaming con- consoles was uh, the was uh, the game the Game Boy, and for quite a while, the the um, all all I had were the the Tetris and Super Mario Land that 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 came that came with it, and I don't care. I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but after 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 a while, my mom was like, "Okay, you can play tet you can play Tetris, but turn the volume off, <laughs> just because the the uh, the con- the constant you know the sa- that same music over and over and over. It's like, all right, all right, it's just stop." <laughs> Those, those memories are very powerful for those that grow up in, well, are very fortunate to grow up in a household where they can get their hands on a game console, whether it's a handheld or whether it's a console. Or, I mean, we, we, we carry around devices in our hands that are infinitely more powerful than those first consoles of, of the time. And we can play games at any given moment. But there's something about that first console you get Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or that first video game that you play. And it just, it just stays with you unless it's ET, then you need to find another memory. (laughs) Yeah. That's what alcohol, that's what alcohol is for. (laughs) For me, it was um, my older brother and he would go and play like space invaders and centipede. So of course he taught me how to play. And those are my games that those are my go-to games. I have one on my phone that's like kind of Space Invaders ish, and um, yeah, it's it's just something I remember my brother teaching me. My brother's like ten years older than me, so to have to be able to tag along with my older brother that was that was fun. So I just, but I wasn't like you guys, you little nerds. I wasn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I wasn't into dollies and all of that either, but I'm just saying that, you know, I that was never my thing. But um, I did have exposure. And when I became an adult, I love pinball. Pinball is my um, obsession. So, I mean, I miss hyperspace. And I wish that I don't, I wish that I had been exposed to it before it, because uh, I just didn't, didn't get a chance to, um, use it as much as I could have had I known about it earlier. But yeah, when my mom, uh, bought, bought me the, the game boy, she's, I mean, she essentially said, all right, Ryan, this counts as your birthday, birthday present, your Christmas present and next and next year's birthday. <laughs> Cause you know, we weren't, we weren't, uh, you know, we, we weren't, yeah, we weren't the kind of family that could just throw, you know, throw throw that throw that kind of money toward towards some something like that. But again, I didn't care. 
I played the fuck out of that Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> you still have it? No, no. It's it it's it's been broken for many many years from overuse. overuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, like a whole bunch of pixels on the screen was just like, all right, that's it. We give up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, switch, switching gears, uh, Scullard has a few things to say. <laughs> um, we're going to put a timer on it because I'm not going to go off and off about this. I I was telling Ryan the other day I did I did two and a half hour rant. Give or so. take, yeah. yeah. I think so. I was listening to a podcast. It's called Crime Crack. It's a, it's two brothers. And, there's a brother and a sister, and they do this. They, they they dissect all these crimes, and the one that they were doing was Ellie Butler. Um, this is over in the UK. She was six year olds, and basically she was murdered by her father. And what it was is just that it was just an illustration of the breakdown of the criminal justice system, specifically. Child Protective Services, and it's it's it was saying you know the fact that this was in the UK has nothing to do with it. It's 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 broken all over. It's a systematic breakdown, no matter where you're at. And the statistics of um, criminal justice workers behind the behind the scenes, not necessarily like police, but who work behind the scenes, victim advocates, um, social workers. Um, guardian at litems, uh, ombudsman, um, those people that are, are put in place to protect people who need to be protected. And sometimes they drop the ball and it's just, it's, it's showing the breakdown of the system. I know that the statistics for workers who work in the back lines, um, they actually get chewed up and spit out really fast. It's just statistically, um, you're not going to have somebody who's social worker, for example. Um, the chances of them making it past five years is pretty slim. They're going to be chewed up and spit out. I was working as a guard in a halfway house for male offenders, and I made it 11 months before I just said I'm done. Um, working with all those sex offenders just messed me up. And then um, to be told that I was sexually assaulted, which is a whole nother ball game. Um, just, a, just a lot of just, there, there's no, and I've worked in a privatized uh, prison system. So basically what that means is that they have, they, they have, it's more like a business rather than what a halfway house is really designed to do is to help somebody get give them the skills to get back out in the public and be safe and be productive. And, and that's just not what usually happens. Um, in a privatized environment where it's all about a profit, um, all you do is you teach criminals to be better criminals. And that's unfortunate because the way that it's designed, you're supposed to give them, you're supposed to give them alternatives to turning back to crime. And in government-run agencies, that doesn't happen as much. Um, it still happens, of course, because the system is made up of people, and that's why it's broken in the first place. So I guess my big thing is that, that really just got to me. That particular case just really stuck in my mind, and just I realized 
I just, it triggered something in me about how broken the system is and how the difference between the big, the big problem I have is privatized prisons and privatized um, halfway houses, privatized pro programs. Um, I have a problem with that. However, there's also an economic reason why government agencies use these privatized um, institutions. Um, it makes economical sense. But it's just, it, I don't know, I just have, it doesn't sit well with me. And I hate to hear it when a child has been failed. I mean, justice for a child is just failed. And that didn't even need to happen. If the, you know, it, it just didn't, it was public opinion that made this man be able to have his child at all when he beat the snot out of her when she was a baby. Um, when she actually died, they found out she had a broken shoulder that had grown back wrong. Um, she was six years old. And all they had to do was leave her with her grandparents who loved her and cared for her, took care of her, and then to have her just send her back to that abusive family. That just didn't need to happen. And that's just, uh, um, it just got really got to me and how broken the terminal justice system is. And it really is criminal justice. The, the criminals usually are the ones that uh, benefit, um, unfortunately. So that was just my big rant. And believe me, I've calmed down considerably. <laughs> Ryan heard me rant for two and a half hours last night. So um, five minutes. I'm done. And, and, and act, actually, yeah, that was pretty much exactly five minutes. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so. I can be done. I it can even, be done. Yes, I didn't even have to interrupt you. But uh, there was there one, one thing that I wanted to uh, bring, uh, bring out to the table for discussion. And um, I, one, one thing that um, I, I, I got bitten by the travel bug year, years ago, and it has refused to take its meaty, meaty hooks out, out of me. And um, the, every, after I come home from work, I like to browse through uh, Wiki Voyage, which is uh, Wikipedia's uh, tra tra uh, travel in information page. You can, you know, go. Uh, you can br browse through the different continents and re read up uh, what on the information about about traveling to say v Vietnam or or Poland or you know it. They they even have uh, information on uh, traveling t traveling to Antarctica of 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 all of all places i don't know why you'd want to travel there but <laughs> and green greenland and you know so uh one thing that came came across uh my uh came across my screen at one at one point was that it um over the past four or five months or so af after uh the vaccine has really started started to become more wide widely uh widely available that a lot uh that a number of uh first world countries let's be clear here um have started inst instituting what what they're calling a covid covid vaccine certificate or covid vaccine passport 
and the interna- the IATA International Airline Trade Association. Don't don't quote me. Quote me on the on what the le- letters exact exactly mean. But essentially, it's the it, it's the, an association of all the ma- major airlines. They're starting to develop develop one there's what like what it's like green pass or green some something out out in out in 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 europe and so uh the u.s has been very vocal about not doing this and a lot a lot of state states uh have you utilized certain uh legislative uh measures either either you know signing in an actual bill or instituting an executive order um that uh they they will be uh ban- banning uh the, these these kinds of things so i was i was one 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 i mean I was wondering what uh, you you two uh, thought thought of that. You and I probably don't agree. Um, I think that to protect everyone, if you're going to travel whether you're out of the country or not, you should have to show that you've been vaccinated. I don't think that that's a horrible idea. Now, I also know how dangerous that becomes because then you get the government involved and it's big brother. I get that, okay? I get that part of it. But frankly, with my health issues, I'd like to know you're not wearing a mask in the grocery store you better be vaccinated. That's it because you're you're putting me at risk, and fuck that. You want to do something with your own life, fine, but you're not going to expose me. I think they should at the door make you show you've been vaccinated if you're not going to wear a mask. That's my opinion because I, you and I are very different. But my health issues, if I catch COVID or something like that, game over for me. I'll die. So I, I differ with you on that point. But I also understand you got the other side of it. You got the big brother, you know, you got, you got, there's, there's pros and cons for both. And I recognize them. But as somebody who has a compromised immune system, now, Here's the thing. If, I, if I'm really sick, I'm not going to be traveling that much, okay? But if I'm going to travel, I'm going to Vegas in October, for example. And uh, I intend, I'm going to have to show that I've been vaccinated. I'm going to have to have my oxygen, which is a big production. I have to have my oxygen, my CPAP, everything. They, they want you to have, if you're traveling with metal, medical equipment, you're going to have to go through special uh, TSA procedures, um, just that kind of thing, but it's, it's, if I go into the grocery store, I'm still wearing a mask and it has nothing to do with me protecting somebody else it has everything to do with protecting myself. I'm responsible for that. So that's kind of how I feel about it, that 
being on the honor system would be great if everybody would be honest. <laughs> but that's not human nature and that's not how people work. So that's my feeling on it is that, yes, it's not such a terrible idea in theory. In practice, that's another story. Because I think when it boils down, when it boils down to it, you as a human being, you take responsibility for protecting yourself. And when I travel, I intend to wear a mask, even though I've been vaccinated. I'm protecting myself um, the only way I know how. So that doesn't mean when I go to Vegas, I'm going to wear my mask the whole time because you've got another thing coming if I'm doing that. Um, I'm probably not even going to use my oxygen all the time if I don't need it. I hate the thing. Um, I'm getting a new Energen, though. I'm really excited about that. Um, so I don't have to take on tanks. It's, it's a big production when I have to leave the house. Uh, but, uh, you know, just um, there's good things and bad things about that. But if you're traveling internationally, there's some responsibility you have to take for your own health. But, frankly, I'd like to know that I'm sitting next to you on a plane for 12 hours. I want to know. Sharing you're the same air. You're sharing <laughs> the same air. I want to know you're vaccinated. I don't think it's such a ridiculous idea. Now, I was talking to somebody, um, one of my clients, and he was talking about, you know, they were going to go on, they were going to go on a cruise, and they had to have, they had to have proof that they had been vaccinated. Um, I don't think that's so unreasonable. I'm sorry, I just don't. But I think that there's a fine line between voluntary and mandatory. I think there's something to be said for that. But if you're getting a, if you're getting a if you're getting a um, how to put this if you're getting a passport, you're planning a trip. I think you ought to show when you're getting that passport. I think you ought to. It's not unreasonable to ask that you show proof that you've been vaccinated. It's kind of like they could put it on your little passport, like they do if you're an organ donor. They don't have to make a big deal about it. It's just a little mark and you're good to go. If they did that, I don't have a problem with it. If it's a big production, that's a whole nother issue. But that's just, I, I'm in a different place because I have a compromised immune system. I cannot afford to get sick. A good case of bronchitis is going to take me out. I'll end up in the hospital if I'm not careful. And I always get bronchitis. So, um, so maybe I'm coming from it at a different place. I think there's a way it can be done where it's not such a big deal. Maybe it's not mandatory, maybe. But if you're flying and an airline asks you to prove you've been vaccinated, I do not think that that is unreasonable. So, so I see, but I see the big brother part of it too, mm -hmm. okay? I'm not, I'm not ignoring that. I'm just saying that um, maybe not such a grand scale, but maybe a little something small. And I think it could be done, and I think it, it could be voluntary. It wouldn't even have to be a big deal. But the airlines can institute that. Hey, show us your card. Bam, you're good. I don't think it has to be a big deal. They could even put it on your driver's license. You know, the little heart? They could put, the little, they could put a blue dot. I mean, what's, what's so big about that? So that's just my opinion. Keeping in mind that those vaccinations we may have to have 
booster shots, mm-hmm. which uh, which is a whole other problem in and of itself. But this is just, a, I don't think it's such a bad idea to, to ask for that. However, I also think that as somebody with a compromised immune system, if I'm going overseas, I'm going to protect myself the best I can. And if that means that I ask not to have somebody sit next to me for 12 hours, or they have to prove that they've been, I don't think that that, I think that that should be an ADA requirement that I can request as, as an ADA person, I can request as part of the ADA, I can request that. That's just, you know, and, but there's something about taking personal responsibility too. And now I'm off my soapbox. Okay, what do you think, Matthew? Well, I think that, as you mentioned, there are uh, both sides which people can point to that will have its uh, benefits and its uh, shortcomings. With us being in a pandemic on an unprecedented, unprecedented scale, uh, my initial reaction is it is that there is there isn't an unreasonable request to uh, in for the purpose of, you know, ensuring the, uh, the health of all parties as asking for this information, looking at this again from a very high level view. Now, if this were something that was implemented, I think there would have to be, the key word would have to be, well, there's a few keywords here. The first keyword would have to be transparency because we would, and I was saying the collective we, the people being asked this information would need to have reassurances of where this information is going to be collected, stored, and how it's going to be used. Mm-hmm. And for how long? If this was something that was going to be on a short-term basis, we'll say, let's say 120 days. That's six months for those counts. If it were for the next six months and the data is going to be stored on a, a server that or in the cloud, for example, and then it's wiped. Mm-hmm. Then, and we have assurances that it's going to be wiped. Like we have like a live stream where they just push the button and it's gone. <laughs> or they use the blockchain. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's a let, which is very verifiable. So if, if people were, were knew that this fraction of data was going to be collected, used for a very specific set of, of of reasons and then deleted forever once the pandemic has been officially declared to be over with. I, I think you would probably have more acceptance of something like that, especially for those, as Scarlett has mentioned, those of us who are in the more vulnerable po- population where they uh, are at higher risk or those who uh, are incapacitated, those in nursing homes, for example. Granted, they may not be doing a lot of traveling, but... But they could be exposed to somebody who is. Mm-hmm. They could, absolutely. 
So and you don't know that. I mean, I wish it almost. Right. I almost think that they had to be able to stick a little X on your head if you've been if you've been inoculated. I don't know. That's that's extreme. I know that, but I wish there was a you know again the honor system. It's great if it worked. <laughs> On the other on the other side of things, there are those that, for whatever reason, are unable to be vaccinated. Correct. So then we put those folks in a very confining box, and with the right legal team and interpretation of current laws and statutes, that could be that could be uh, seen as uh, discrimination. Mm-hmm. Right. So ADA again, it has to do with the ADA law. It's just okay. Well. I have a right under ADA to request, if I'm going to be on a plane, my seatmate be inoculated. I don't think that's an unreasonable request. But then you have private information because when you show your little identification card, um, there's more information than just, yes, you had this shot. It's birth date, social security, it's, it, you know, all that information is there, and you've got a very good point. Again, the big brother possibility. So I get that. It's just, I don't know that there's an easy answer to that. There isn't. There really is no easy answer because you try to, you, there's no blanket solution for this. There's going to be some segment of the population that is going to be affected adversely. So it's, Maybe the question is, how do you do the least amount of harm? So you brought up a great point about international travel. Folks that travel internationally already have to have some sort of vaccination depending on where they're going. Mm-hmm. Like yellow fever mm-hmm. vaccine. That's a very popular one to have Malaria. to require. Yeah. Malaria is a good, another good one. Yeah. So maybe they just do, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is on all of that. I just, I don't think that that's, I think that there's good, there's pros and cons to both sides. And frankly, I hadn't even thought of the privacy issue. I hadn't even thought of that, about how much information you're actually turning over. And I think that's probably, the health, the health piece, of course, is very key, but then you've got a lot of folks who are very, very wary about privacy concerns and what that data is going to be used for. Rightly so. Can't say that their concerns are, you know, unreasonable. I I think that as we've seen with with cyber attacks and data breaches and uh, you name it over the last decade plus, there is a legitimate reason to be worried about that piece of it. Well, there's so much. I know that uh, cybersecurity is such a big deal. I know that we had to take we had we had to take a training on cybersecurity. If you didn't take that training, you were eventually going to be locked out of your system <laughs> because you had to take that class to in order to you had to get certified in cybersecurity, and it it was like what an hour and a half class, and it was just um, it was astounding to learn that when you think about the pandemic and how criminals have come up with all these different scams off the based off the pandemic and i think that 
another concern would be, okay, you're storing my information, but what's, what, what, what am I trying to say? What procedures are in place to guarantee that my, my system can't be hacked? That system can't be hacked. My information can't be out there. If you can't give that to me, then maybe I want to think twice about giving that information. But yeah, at, at work, like every three three or four weeks or so, they we I I get a simulated fish phishing e- email in in my in my inbox, and there's a there's an icon up in my toolbars, and you know report report phishing, and that and that's to you know keep people in practice for knowing what that what that kind of an email looks like but i def i definitely see both both sides of it getting getting back to the the vac- vaccine requirement for travel question um one one thing that i'm intrigued about is the the cultural differences in the in uh their approaches to this because here here in the in the US a big uh like a like a major piece in our origin story is you know fight, fighting back in a, against an oppressive government. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's how that's how this country was born. And 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 it think things are a lot different in europe for i mean i i know for one thing their their privacy laws are much mm-hmm. more str- stringent here and they they have a much diff different uh they they have a much different relationship with their with their gov- government because a lot of the country countries over over there are wealth welfare states like they have socialized well um so so socialized medical medical care and you know a a number of different different things like like that that we don't have here and it and you know there um so there so there's that you know that that cultural baggage going into the way the different ways that these countries have approach this um i am i am i'm def i'm definitely um i'm honestly i'm not co- i haven't really decided de- you know kind of de- i'm i'm swiss you know <laughs> you know i'm de- yeah <laughs> well well yeah well i Neutral. didn't say i didn't say i'm swiss cheese but <laughs> i i get i i get the reference but but yeah i'm i i see i see both both sides and and i see that both sides are are, e- are equally valid and have having the gov- the government played some some kind of a part in deciding whether whether or not you get on a plane or get in a or get in a train or get or what whatever mm-hmm. is definitely cause for concern but at the at the same time you know we i mean we're not very far remo- removed from you know the like one from from 
you know, the wor- the worst of the pan- pandemic, like 12, 12 months, months ago, you know, a lot of places were still in lockdown and, you know, hundred hundreds of thousands of pe- people have, 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 di- have died from this. And I mean, you like throw, throw a rock, you'll, you'll probably, you know, hit, hit someone that knew somebody that died from this. Oh yeah. And so I don't, I, and like one of the main, one, one of the big reasons why it spreads so fast is because of the travel. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can definitely see the, and, and a lot of the, like many, many places have suffered, suffered economically with, with the la- lack of travel because, I mean, the, uh, I, I find, I find it in, I, in the articles that I was reading, I found it in, interesting how like the, the uh, direct relationship between how much they they or like the the size of their tourism industry and how willing they they were to Im- implement a program like this because that i mean the there there are places whose you know who that 2019, you know, that I'm not saying that they were raking in the money, but you know, they were keep keeping themselves afloat, and you know, businesses were 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 doing doing well, and now it's like practice, you know, the revenues pra- practically zero, and they're like, hey, if this passport gets people back in here, you know, yeah, sign sign me up. So, and I think maybe yeah. there's a way to do it without the government. I think like the the airlines mm-hmm. can implement their own program. Um, the, the pandemic has decimated the cruise industry. Oh yeah, and they're just starting to come back. But they're like, okay, this is what we have to do to get the people in here and keep them safe because you're on a boat. Mm-hmm. You're self-contained, and it's it, it. You know, you can't wearing a little mask is not going to save you. I mean, it'll help some, it'll help some, but you know, it's just, I think it's good to say, Hey, you know, you have to be, you have to show you've been in, you know, we have to know that we're safe. We have to know that. I think that that is the only way the cruise industry is ever going to come back, but that's the cruising. That's the cruising companies that have made that, that are implementing that change. That has nothing to do with the government. That is just something that they have done to save the the industry. Why can't the airlines do the same thing? Why can't? Um, well, I mean, yeah. as as I said, the IATA, which which is kind of like the the airlines association, they're they're working on their own program. But if you're not, uh, there's like two or three air air airlines that have that have. Uh, jo- joined that program, and uh, spoiler alert: none none of them are based in the U.S. <laughs> well, there's got to be. I mean, I just think that maybe the government needs to take that element out, and it's a business. Let them handle their own and transparency. All about it, you know. We don't require, or we require, or you know. Then I can choose. I have 
three airlines, which ones offer it, which ones don't, which ones am I going to be safe on or I'm going to feel safe on. Um, that way, I think that then you take the big brother aspect out of it. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't even, you show the card, they check it off, you keep, they don't take any of your information. I think you could do it that way too. That, okay, you showed me the, you know, it's kind of like they take a, or um, they take your um, ID, they look at it, they go, okay, go on. I think they could do the same thing where they're not taking any information that takes the Big Brother thing out of it. But then you know that there are going to think there, there are going to be corruption there. Mm-hmm. It's all done by humans. Human, you know, we're, it's not infallible. Again, it goes to personal responsibility too. You can't expect everybody out again. You can't expect everybody to do the honor system, even if we're operating on it. So to protect myself, when I go into the grocery store and. God knows that I don't go into the grocery store if I don't have to. But if I absolutely have to, if I want an avocado, I got to go into the grocery store. So if I go into the grocery store, I'm wearing a mask. It has nothing to do with protecting anybody else. It's protecting me. At least it makes me psychologically feel better. If nothing else, it makes me think I'm protecting myself. And I do the six-foot rule. Mm -hmm. I don't care where I am. If you get in my bubble, I'm going to glare at you until you back up. Because that's just not... Don't get in my bubble. Six feet, buddy. Six feet. Now, I go to church. We do the six feet rule. Nobody wears a mask. It all is an honor system. And if you're not inoculated, you wear a mask. And that's not expected. That's not required. That's just being a good human being. I'm sorry. It is. So, and I have, and I have a couple of people in my church who cannot be inoculated. A couple of them are pregnant. You can't do that when you're pregnant. Um, you know, there's a couple of them that are older that their health won't allow them to. Um, I know like in my case, my, my immune system just about shut down completely because I didn't know what to do. And, um, so I know that, and I'm not even the worst case. I'm considered mild, um, which is kind of interesting to me since I don't think that I have a mild case, but um, it doesn't feel that way anyway. So, you know, just, um, I don't know. There's pros and cons. One of the articles I read um, kind of did a handful of uh, person-on-the-street interviews, or more appropriately, person-in-the-terminal interviews. Mm -hmm. And it it was pretty – I mean, it was pretty uh, – yeah, I, I would I would say it was pretty uniform that they they were all pretty – Pretty much expressed view, views like like yours, Scarlet. Like, hey, you know, I it just. I mean, it was all pretty much different flavors of saying. I would like to know that the person sitting sitting next to me is and it is is va- is vaccinated. So, you know. But where where do you draw the line? Exactly. And it is like a slippery slope. So where do you draw? So if you if it's required for you to get a passport, I might think about that. 
I might think twice about that. So, I don't know. That's just my opinion for what it's worth. Maybe the best course of action is to do nothing and let the vaccination rates keep going up. There you go. The let it sort itself out through that route so that way the global medical uh, population, whether they're the WHO or elsewhere in your region, have enough confidence that they feel that the threat of a another spike mm-hmm. is negligible. We're not quite Leave there to, yet. You're definitely not there yet. Mm-mm. But let let the science call the shots instead of letting politics or Public other opinion. moneyed interests uh, have their say. Let science do its thing. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you. As sick as my shot made me, the first one, the the sick as it made me, I'm so glad I did it. And I got my second one, didn't have any reaction at all. And I get to go see my friends in Vegas. I haven't seen them in two years. I've had to cancel trips three times now. Um, I just, you know, I don't have to worry about when I see them. I don't have to worry about infecting them or them infecting me. And it's just, you know, I kind of talked myself into it thinking if I'm ever going to see them again. And I want to go to Vegas. I have to take this shot. There were more. There were more. There were other forces that were in play. There were other reasons why I got it. For one thing, I haven't seen my mom in a year and a half. I'm seeing her on Fourth of July weekend, and she's been she's been protected. I've been protected. Um, the elderly neighbor my brother hangs out with. We've all gotten shots. My brother got a shot, which was a miracle within itself. Is he historically an anti-vaxxer? He's lazy. Ah, okay. (laughs) It's not that he has anything against the vaccine. He just thinks, "Eh, I don't have time for that. But he did it because he knew he wanted to protect his friends and family. So he did it. And um, I'm really proud of him for doing that. So even though it made him sick um, for about a day and a half. But it just, you know... um, I want to be part of the solution. My dad used to say, if you're not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. And I don't want to be part of the problem. And I think that that just, that's a good illustration of that. It's not so much what other people do, but I myself, if, if I'm required to show proof of vaccination so that somebody else feels safe, yeah, I'm right, I'm going to do that. Do I want to give out my information like that? Maybe not so much. But I, you know, there's a, there's a, there's got to be a way to do it where mm-hmm. the big brother gets taken out of it. So. And I think that'll be figured out in 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 time. Now, I wasn't like looking 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 this up because oh, I got a I got a you know trip plan. I gotta find out what's what. No, because this is very much a financial rebuilding year for me. Um, the la- the last eight last eighteen mo- eighteen months for me have, have just been hor- horrendous on on my, <laughs> on my on my pocketbook. So I'm have to, you know I kind of get my back. Get 
get myself back up on solid footing, but it was, it was just, it was pure like curiosity. And so hopefully by, by the time that, you know, I am, I am ready to take a trip even somewhere within the state, let let alone, you know, somewhere within the country that, you know, all like all of the details would have, would have been shaken out. And there's uh, more like, there's a, there's a more uh, dependable process. But yeah, I can I could definitely I could definitely see the you know discrimination a- aspect aspect to it. But I mean, at at the same time, we're not very far removed from it. I mean, globally, I I I'm, I'm I haven't checked on the vaccination numbers, but I I know just in like the U.S. has the highest vaccination rate in in, in on this pale blue dot. And I think we're like at like 50, 55 percent somewhere somewhere in there. And so, you know, that kind of um, like a, lo- a lot of the uh, European countries are somewhere in between 15 and 20. So we still so, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> But I think that Matthew probably has a good point. Let's just sit back and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. And I just know I need to have all my medical documentation when I go to the airport. And I need to make sure that I allow three times as much as I normally would, time-wise. Um, but I'm only going a three-hour flight. It's not like hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours. Or to quote Sports Night, show up, see what happens. There you go. <laughs> That's your plan. Show up, see what happens. <laughs> Worked for Napoleon, didn't it? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any close, closing thoughts on this, Matthew? Bucks in deep, get into the dirty areas, keep your head up, shots on goal. <laughs> well, that, that should be for my other, the other podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Burgundy Radio. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the hardest thing to do is to do nothing mm-hmm. in a situation where you are really you know, jumping at the chance to try to effect change because sometimes the the impatience in you know being hasty can cause more problems than it's worth to had you didn't had you just done nothing so with with uh, something like this um, I am I'm all for you know taking personal responsibility of your own health and safety I think all three of us have done that uh, by and large. Uh, I'm sure nobody has ever done it perfectly, but we took it upon ourselves to get vaccinated, took care to uh, keep our, you know keep our distance as we are right now still. But as long as there is that willingness 
for people to continue to do the, those things. A conversation where it involves a potential mass violation of uh, privacy rights or an, an, uh, a potential risk to further endanger global health. If, if, if we can just continue to uh, keep doing what we're doing and mitigate the risks, then the likelihood that we have to have these conversations becomes further and further diminished as we continue to move on. Granted, private companies will still ask what they what they want. The likelihood they'll get certain information is very uh, improbable because health information is some of the most highly protected information that we have about ourselves. So I personally will not worry about this because I will I will let science continue to run its course and people are going to continue to get vaccinated every day. There's a whole bunch of vaccines leaving this country that are going to go to areas of the world that need it. And that in and of itself is going to do infinitely more good than trying to parse a decision of the lesser of impact on whether it's going to be a requirement for people to present proof of a vaccination. Granted, yes, there's, there are certain entities that can can and will obtain that information, but I don't believe that we are in a state of being where a travel industry or uh, some other private entity that's hosting certain events has the right to ask for that. I'll use a relevant case in point. Going back to watch live sporting events, which is something I have done recently, they are in no position to request or mandate uh, vaccine information from its patrons, even if it is a private entity and the event is taking place on private ground. That was something that was never asked. However, Elsewhere, that was a, the, the, the case. It just wasn't the case here. So I guess it varies depending on your jurisdiction and the laws and regulations and safe practices are in play wherever you happen to be uh, consuming this podcast in your region. But locally, we didn't have worry about that that being said it was mandated to wear a mask mm -hmm. that was still very much a clear and present mandate enforced maybe not quite so much <laughs> but at least to get into the building you did have to wear your wear your mask upon entry so logistics are still kind of being ironed out even with the return to full capacity for events and the like 
but I believe that we really won't see too much of this right now. It's going to be when we get into the holiday season this year oh, that yeah. we're really pro- probably going to see more of this conversation and potential concerns about a spike with looser restrictions than we've seen since before the pandemic started. That's going to be the telling point, in my opinion, where we're going to start seeing conversations about uh, ABC Airlines is making it mandatory for all of its uh, uh, passengers to show proof of of vaccination. Or uh, Sigma Kappa Epsilon did I just call out a frat? I think I did. I think so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lambda, lambda, lambda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, say that they're uh, not requiring it. We're probably going to see these coming up right when back to school season starts because mm-hmm. yeah. vaccination and the school season is going to go hand in hand. So probably mm-hmm. right around the end of summertime and into the holidays, we're probably going to be inundated with conversations like this provided the vaccination rates don't increase, which I fully expect that they will. And even if they do, expect some chatter. But let the science dictate. Let people continue to make the right choice for themselves. And hopefully that right choice is that they will get the vaccination and do all they can to you know stamp out this thing and that way it becomes not just a ongoing historical event but just a historic event mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly i know that um being in the travel industry i sort of am Um, A lot of people are just saying, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. It's safer for me and it's safer for everyone else. Um, Wait till this blows over a little bit. I I expect this is our busy time. This is our busy season. And yet we're not as busy as we have been the last couple of years. And I think it's because people are just sitting back waiting. And then next year, I think we're going to get slammed every which way we can because everybody, and right now even everybody's out there trying to travel. Um, You know, I have people call all the time, can you find a campground for me? No, you should have done that three months ago. (laughs) You're on the road and you expect to find a place. Good luck with that. Um, You know, that kind of thing that just um, everybody's out there and yet, uh, but the same token, nobody's out there. It's just kind of, you know, either you're, all out there and you're traveling and you're having a great time, but you've made your plans. You're careful. Everybody's going in RVs because that's the thing that you can contain. You can control. Um, you know, that's a great idea, but then you have other people who are like me and barely leave the house. I leave when I absolutely have to, I have to go to the DMV tomorrow to get my new license. Gag me. Um, and I said, well, if I'm going to go ahead and be out, then you know what? I'm going to go to my office, which I haven't been to my office in, what, a year and a half? I'm going to my office so that I can see my teammates who I haven't even met physically. I haven't even met my supervisor face-to-face. So I said, okay, tomorrow's the day, and I expect a parade. Um, so they're all expecting me, but I said, I want a parade. 
So, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Either you have people like me who barely leave the house or you have people who are out there all the time. So you got to be, you know, but I protect myself when I leave the house. I got my mask, got my oxygen, and I'm ready for battle. But it's a pain in the ass. Let me just take that. <laughs> so. Yes, that's a good spot to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> that awkward silence. <laughs> yeah. So, any, um, so yeah, um, that was a bit of a monster. it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That was a bit of a monster. <laughs> so we do, um, if you are still listening or watching, we do thank you. Um, we do uh, appreciate any feedback. Uh, please comment using the channels found on hovpodcast.net. And please check out our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash hovpodcast underscore YouTube, all lowercase. And if you want to stay up to date, uh, please uh, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or TuneIn. All right, we got we gotta give give this mo- monster ep- episode for uh, for a, t- uh, a, a title here because we've been blabbering on for almost an hour and a half. <laughs> so we got I don't want to break it. Whatever a normal schedule means, entertain the inner child. There's there's a lot here. (laughs) Clone to Atari with white knuckles. Those memories are very powerful. Teaching criminals to be better criminals. I'm not a mild case. Let the science call the shots. I like let the science call the shots. I like that one. Works on a few different levels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you and you got uh you know, a good pun with shots. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I, and you know, you know me, I, I like a good pun.